2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, the podcast that talks exclusively about the Chelsea FC Women's team. I'm your host Dean, and on this week's show, in part one, we discuss Chelsea's resounding five mil victory over Reading, thanks to four goals from Super Fran Kirby. In part two, we round up the latest news from Kings Meadow and a catch up on the latest transfer news. In part three, we look ahead to our next fixture against Manchester United, and in part four, we've got all your emails. This is episode eight of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, entitled "The Fran Kirby Show." Now, before we get started, we need your help to spread the word about this podcast. So if you enjoy what you hear, tag us in the tweet, share us on Instagram, or how about leaving a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, as it helps other supporters find the show. We'd really appreciate your support. Now, joining me this week, as ever, is my wonderful co-host, Jane. Jane, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing great, thank you, Dean. Very excited over the win, over the weekend. Look forward, look forward to discussing it later.
2: Yeah, the perfect way to start the year, right? Um so let's get into it. Give us the all important f- information from the game.
3: So, Chelsea lined up this one in a 4 2 3 1 formation. Berger was in goal, Blundell, Bright, Ingall, and Anderson in defence, a midfield of three of Charles and Lewipose, with Kirby, Cuthbert, and Wrighton supporting Sam Curran attack. Stats wise, Chelsea had 55 possession to Reddin's 45. Fifteen shots, seven on target to Redding's five shots, zero on target. Chelsea had eight corners to Redding's three, and committed seven fouls to Redding's ten.
2: Right, before we go through the goals, I want to talk about this starting eleven because you know when I wrote down the team, I wrote it down in four-three-three. Yeah, everywhere I looked had four-two-three-one. Now I'm saying this because last week when we previewed this game, we said that Chelsea should go four-three-three with cup in midfield. So I'm going to claim it was. Um, Jane your thoughts on that 11 you know a rare start for Hannah Blundell and their name Charles what was going through your mind before kickoff?
3: off um, yeah I thought it was a strong start in 11 obviously Hannah came in last minute because Maron. I read that she had headed the ball or something in the warm up and she'd got a migraine so I think Emma just wanted to put it on the safe and just sub change her up with Hannah and it was nice to see Hannah get a start obviously she's been out with injury I think she might have played a couple of games last year but it was great to see her back and she was she played I think she had a really good game overall I was quite shocked not to see Ericsson starting just I just thought yeah I did expect her to start but she did come on as a sub so I think there was nothing to worry about there
2: yeah I think potentially you know both Harder and Ericsson not playing maybe they did have Covid or had to isolate because of someone they knew had Covid and maybe just not up to speed with the rest of the team, but you know, hopefully they're all good and all ready to go for the next game. Um, and to Marin as well, you know, I'd have actually heard that about the con- sort of concussion protocol, I guess, to keep her out of the team. Um, so hopefully yeah, well, she's saw, ready for the next game. I
3: think the supporters group retweeted it on Twitter. Someone there had said that the reason was that she would had a migraine and I think it was just the safest. Obviously, to do a concussion as well it wouldn't have been great
2: to play and then make it worse yeah hopefully she's um feeling better and you know really ready to go um another surprise maybe an attack was, was Sam Kerr no Bethany England uh, was you I wouldn't say surprised to see Sam Kerr start because she's such a good player but you know was was it a bit of a shock to think no no sort of presence up front so to speak given the height of the front three?
3: um It didn't surprise me with who Emma started up front. I think where we do have the game against United and we had City as well, meant to be like next week, um, I think she did want to maybe rest Beth just so we had some extra strength and fresh legs for the game's upcoming. But Sam, like, I love Sam. Like, she's been playing so well. So I think she deserves to get the start in games just because of the form she's on at the minute.
2: Yeah, I suppose that's you know one of the beauties of this squad is that no matter who starts, there's so much talent and quality there. Um, let's run through the goals. 16 minutes on the clock. Kurt with a flick on in the air, you know, proving me wrong already. Um, Kirby running through, rounds the goalkeeper and scores the opening goal. Uh, 23 minutes. Kirby good pressure on defence, a poor clearance, and she's able to run through. She showed amazing strength to hold off the defender and. You know, a really smart finish. Then on half-time, she gets a hat-trick, and a perfect hat-trick as well. Um, Free kick, which Cuthbert plays into the back post. Sam Kerr's the quickest to react, plays in a lovely little ball back across, and Fran's there with a header to round off. You know, a perfect first half for Chelsea and for Fran. Uh, 53 minutes, uh, Guru Wright takes a corner, and, and Fran, feeling like Goliath, rises again to head home. Uh, into the far post. And then in the 86th minute, uh, cross from Hannah Blundell on the right. Um, G's quickest to the loose ball, shows great skill, great composure, and scores the fifth and final goal. Uh, so a few interesting bits of information I saw after the game. Um, this is the first time this season that Chelsea have scored more than one goal away from home, which I find very interesting. Um, this is now 30 WSL games unbeaten. Uh, Man City hold the record with 31. So. Makes the game on Sunday even bigger for Emmerich and the team. Um, obviously, Kirby scored the first goal in the WSL of 2021. Um, Kirby is now the third WSL player to score four goals in a game after Viviane Medima and Beth England, and also the third WSL player to score three separate WSL hat tricks after Medima and England again. Um, how could we not start with, with Frank Kirby? Jane, what did you make of her performance?
3: I think she's brilliant since like since coming back from injury she's like she's like a fresh set of legs. You wouldn't think she'd had i think it was about a year and a half she had out in the end with illness and injury like she's come back brand new and I think she's in her best form that she could be in at the moment
2: yeah absolutely some key points from the game actually she had eight dribbles, six shots, four on target, four goals. Uh, she had 67 touches, which was the third most on the pitch. She did 20 pressures, which was the second most from the team, and three blocks, which was the joint most. So you know, She was not just fantastic offensively, but also brilliant defensively as well. Um, I think, you know, the first goal, she was on the left-hand side of the attack, so it shows great fluidity between the team. Uh, the second goal, amazing strength to hold off the defender. I mean, she's slight, but she's she's got strength. Um and then two headers. So despite her size, I think she's 5'2", Frank Kirby, which is even shorter than me. And she's <laughs> able to find space to get up unopposed and, and head home. A question here yeah. I've got. Is she the GOAT, the greatest of all time for Chelsea? Yes. It's a bold yeah. claim, isn't it?
3: It is, but I do, I do think she is.
2: I mean all time record goal scorer for the team. She's been in great form. Her and Kerr, who have a great nickname of Kirby, works really well. It's meant to be. I think that's why we signed it. Meant
3: to, to be. <laughs> um,
2: yeah. She's been brilliant and she's sort of had the injuries like it's talked about and to come back, you know, even stronger and, and better from that. Shows a remarkable character and she's definitely up there for me in terms of not just Chelsea but you know across Europe as well as, as one of the best players. Do you agree with that?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think I'm hoping she's gonna get more England appearances and what she deserves in the England team. Like when obviously last year she didn't I I think she actually got called up the beginning of the season, I think. Don't take my word on it. But I'm hoping now now she's back, she's gonna just do well club and country, and move her way up the best ranking in the world.
2: Well, hopefully now England have a proper football manager. Um, not yeah. Football. Um, and she can stay injury-free, then she can. she's definitely going to get in that team for sure and, and showcase her talents on the international stage as well. Let's talk about Chelsea's game plan. Now, last week we spoke about Reading allowing us to have possession and, and sitting deep. And as they did versus Manchester City. Um, instead, they tried to press us very high and had a higher back line. Um, it looks like Emma saw this coming and, and had a game plan for this. That's why possibly Kerr got that start ahead of, of England. And when Reading had the ball, um, which at times we allowed them to have in the first half, we was able to sit into a four-five-one, just allowing Kerr to stay up front, but allowing Kirby and, and Wright to sit on the wing positions. And then broke using Kerr's pace and obviously Kirby's as well. Um, that's why Emma's the manager and not us, right?
3: I'd I'd hate to be in her position to come up with like her game plan and her formations every week. I just wouldn't be able to do it.
2: Yeah, she got this sort of spot on. And not just you know the game plan in the game. The, the players look really fit. And we spoke last week about the amount of time they've had off maybe that... A few cobwebs to blow off. Didn't have none of that as well. So that's you know, down to great management of the players as well.
3: Yeah, I think they must have had I think it's about three or four weeks off where we didn't have the game on the Sunday and then obviously Christmas break and then they didn't come back till the new year. Like they've come back as like in great condition and ready to bring bring it all.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and this game, not just all about Chelsea's attack, defensively, excellent as well. Reading, zero shots on target. Uh, they had a few off half chances from outside the box, which didn't really trouble Berger in goal. Um, it felt like a training game, defence versus attack. Is that something you felt watching the game?
3: Um, yes, and no. I think it was, I think it still was quite competitive. Just. I think there was, when I know when watching it, there was just the worry that if Reading gets the ball and they can get away, like they're going to score. But it did seem like, like you say, like attack versus defence.
2: Yeah, I think we really crowded them out in that midfield. You know, Liverpool's had a great game, and uh, as did Cuthbert and, you know, Neem Charles as well. You know, we didn't allow their sort of better players to get the ball as much. And I don't remember hearing Jess Fishlock's name much in commentary at all, and you know, that highlights you know the, the work they did. Now, we talk about this every week, but it feels a bit silly not to, but the strength of this team and the substitutions that, that Emma's able to make is truly ridiculous, and that's why we have to talk about it. You know, Being able to bring on Peniel Harder, Magda Eriksson, you know, it, it's crazy, isn't it?
3: Yeah, to bring on to bring on the likes of Peniel and Magda, both at the same time, to a game we was winning. I don't know. I think we might have been four nil up by then. To a game we was winning four nil up, and they brought on two of like the strongest players. is just incredible.
2: Yeah, potentially you know, January transfer window there'd be more additions as well. But you know, let's see what happens on that. Um, now, player of the match. I don't know if you probably saw Chelsea's tweet um, from their account, you know, the options were Frank Kirby, Frank Kirby, Frank Kirby or Frank Kirby. Uh, no surprise Frank Kirby won. This episode is called The Frank Kirby Show um, but I think it's right that we should you know, mention some other players who were also excellent. Uh, Jane, who caught your eye and what about their performance was it that brought them to
3: your attention? I think Sam had a brilliant game. I, th- I think she got two or three assists with Fran. I think just the way Fran and Sam, gotta try and get them all out <laughs> The way Fran and Sam play together, I think, is just like the assists that uh, that Sam gave Fran was just brilliant. Obviously, last year we didn't get to see Fran and Sam play. Where S- Sam, this is like a tongue twister. <laughs> Where Sam only joined at the beginning of the year and Fran was already out. That was the like the one thing I was looking forward to this season was seeing them play both together and seeing what they could bring to the team.
2: Yeah, the minute you'd say that if you're going to play Sam Kerr, you've got to play Fran Kirby as well, and if you're going to play Fran Kirby, you've got to play Sam Kerr as well because they seem to have a really good connection. And you know, I think Sam posted maybe on Twitter or Instagram that she was returning the favor this time. Instead of you know, Fran giving her the assist, she was doing it back. Um, so you chose their understanding. And you know, when you have two players that are able to gel like that, it makes Emma's decisions even harder on who fills in the other positions as well.
3: Because Sam had... I did notice Sam had a couple of chances that she could have taken the shot. But I think it was twice. On both occasions, she decided to pass it to Fran um, just to gear Fran up and to get her hat trick.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, the one player I want to mention more is Melanie Luopos. Um I thought in the midfield she was, you know, absolutely fantastic, and she she run the show for us there. Um, she was a player that sort of I left out of my starting eleven because I felt that others were sort of doing more than her. But I think she's just been under the radar a touch. Do you think you, you agree with that, Jane?
3: Yeah, I don't think she's got the. Like she gets the mention she deserves. Like she's played I think she's played majority of the game since she's joined and she is fantastic in the in midfield. But I think it does just go under the radar after games.
2: Well, luckily we've given her a little mention here. Um Jane, anyone else that you wanna pick out from the list of players?
3: Um, I think Hannah had a brilliant game. And she played, yeah. She played the full ninety minutes as well, so I think she did really well. We didn't hear much of her, but the passes and everything she did make was like they were good.
2: Yeah, and to come in to a starting eleven like last minute as she did, you know, mentally it takes a bit of time to process that information that actually you're starting, and your mindset needs to be different than if you're sitting on the bench potentially not getting a minute at all. So for her to be able to a performance like that that you know, was excellent um another player for me she's one of my favorite players you know gradually um sort of growing on me is sophie ingall you know being versatile enough to play midfield or to drop in the center of defense and she doesn't look out of place in either position you know fantastic option for, for emma to have isn't it
3: oh yeah definitely she's just she is so versatile she like can play she, I, she can play anywhere, really. Like she can play in defence, she can play in midfield. If you need her to score goals, she will come and score goals, like she did at Arsenal. She's just a brilliant player all round.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And sort of her moving into that defensive position allowed Erin Cuthbert to sort of come into a more midfield role that she's been in recently at Benfica. She played there. Um, what did you make of Erin's performance?
3: I think, as always, Erin. She had a good game. She was like on form, and she did well in midfield. She's another player that can play in a variety of different positions, which is good.
2: Yeah, I love how um sort of tenacious she is, and she, she loves getting into a challenge, and she's not afraid to to put her foot in, despite you know being slight in nature as well. I guess that's the the Scott in her coming out there. Um,
3: yeah, she's not. She's not afraid. I remember at the World Cup. In 2019, when Scotland played England, she made a tackle on Millie Bright, and Millie was actually out for the game after. But for that to come from Erin, who isn't the biggest of people, against like, a defender like Millie Bright, I was quite shocked. So, like she's not scared of anything.
2: I love that um, the post they did um, where Erin's in little shorts and t-shirt, and G's got trousers, snood, hat, gloves, <laughs> everything. Like choose which one you wear. She's
3: not. She. She's just no matter like what the weather, she's just like in shorts.: it's
2: That's why sh- she's my favorite player. Um, this episode actually is, is going to be on YouTube, so if you're watching this on YouTube, um, obviously you know that. If we get a 100 subscribers, I'm going to get the third kit with Coughbot on the back. That's a promise, so you know definitely um, shout this out. Another player that got a rare start was Neem Charles. She had a good game against. Fika when she played, but she she did well again today, uh, today, Sunday.
3: Yeah, I think she did really well. Obviously, she's we've not had her. we've obviously only had her from the beginning of the season. I think the more games we're seeing her play, the more she's developing. And to come to a squad like this is just so well because I don't actually know she's still quite young. So to come to like such an experienced club, she's going to learn loads.
2: Yeah, and having sort of Emma as the coach as well is definitely. something that players are going to want to come and witness and and be part of as well. Uh, Speaking of Emma, I've got some quotes from her after the game. Um, She said, All of us are only as good as the people around us and Fran will be first to say that. While Fran scored four goals and four brilliant goals, it was a total team performance. The front four in particular did a really good job to create space. I thought we got our pressing right. We were very dynamic, but it's what I've seen in training last week. I think it's even better that I've been able to bring five players off the bench Some of them have only been training two or three days. So it was nice to get everybody into the game. And that's probably one of the most pleasing performances for us this season. You can see the quality we've got on show and I thought everybody performed well. Um, You know, Obviously Emma's going to be spot on about what she says about the team. But, you know, Jane, do you agree with every word of that?
3: Yeah, I do. Um, Where she said about some of them have only been training for two or three days, that sort of does... I think maybe refer back to Peneil and Magda. Maybe they had COVID or they had to isolate. But it was like she said, like Fran had a brilliant game, and I think the whole team had a brilliant game overall.
2: Yeah, sort of. Like she mentions it's what she's seen in training. So obviously, this game plan that they they made to have read in, who have you no, know, as we mentioned last week in the preview. Put some really tough performances against the big teams, and we blew them out of the water. We were sensational, and you know, a a perfect game and a perfect way to start the year going into what is going to be a a tough run of fixtures. Um, so Jane, run us through the table after that win. What's it look like now?
3: So, Chelsea have now moved up to second in a table. We're still three points behind Manchester United in first place, however, we still have a game in hand. Arsenal are now in third place, a point behind us. And we have a game in hand on them as well. Manchester City are fourth with 18 points. And then you've got Everton, Reading, Birmingham City, Tottenham, Brighton, West Ham, Aston Villa. And propping up the table at Bristol City.
2: Yeah, you can start to see now that the league's opening up between the top four and, and the rest. Um, and the top's very tight at the minute. Obviously, that can all change going forward. But, you know, an interesting year in the WSL, to say the least. Um, That's all for part one. Um, Join us after this short break for a a lowdown on all the latest news from King's Meadow and beyond.
0: Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. FootballFancast.com.
2: Welcome back to Went to Mo King's Meadow. Now it's time for a news roundup from King's Meadow and beyond. Uh, Jane, for those people who've been on a holiday in the past week or so, maybe they've been to Dubai, maybe not, um, give us all the details on Dubai Gate and its wider implications to the women's game.
3: So, as a lot of people know, many players flew out to Dubai over Christmas, which I think was stupid. I don't know why... Why their managers allowed them to. Um, I just don't know. You had quite a few from Man City fly out there. I think there was one from Manchester United who, fair enough, they were in tier three so they could fly. But still, when you're in a game like this, I think it was quite risky. And then we had an Arsenal player who went for business because her agent was out there, and which made it worse because they were in tier four, so they shouldn't have flown but then it also had a lot of complications when they came back with the WSL games this weekend
2: yeah severe short-sightedness from those clubs involved um, you know at the time you know Christmas the country went into a more strict lockdown you couldn't see friends or family over Christmas period um, some people on their own Christmas day and you've got players flying out to Dubai for what we call commercial reasons. Um, I doubt we're ever going to see what these commercial reasons were because, you know, what can you do when you're sunbathing on the beach? It's utterly ridiculous that not only that they flew, but there's been no further sanctions or implications from that from the league. You know, Man City, Arsenal, Manchester United, all seemingly allowed to just postpone games until they're ready to play again where there were teams the um, Bristol City, I think and Birmingham both had requests declined because their squads are totally decimated through injury and they've hardly got any players that they can play. Um, though it doesn't do much for the integrity of the women's game, does it, Jane?
3: No, I think Birmingham... Who was Birmingham playing? can't even think who Birmingham was scheduled to play. But Birmingham had... I think they had 11 players. They had 11 players because most of their players were out injured. But when they put the request in for a postponement because they couldn't fulfil a team, the FA basically told them no. But when Arsenal had one player with COVID and still had a full team, their request was allowed. So I just think it's like one rule for one team and one rule for the others, which is just... But I think the FA did get a lot of stick over the weekend for the decisions they were making.
2: Yeah, and the thing for me, you know, when you're trying to grow the women's game, you're trying to develop it, you're trying to get more people interested. What people hate about men's football is how far away supporters are from it. You You can't get close to any players. You're not involved in any decisions made by any board member anywhere. You know, it's commercial, it's about money. It's about success. Support was a solo down on the list. The women's game seems far from that. It seems like football was maybe, you know, before the Premier League era, so to speak. And then to see things like this, you know, people that don't really have much of an interest in women's football, but are starting to take notice of it now it's in, you know, the wider press and social media, they're just gonna get turned off the game because they're gonna think, Oh, it's just like the men's game, you know, players do what they want, they're above everybody else, they think they're better. Um
3: it's like a lot of a lot of young kids do especially young girls, they do look up to these women's footballers nowadays. Like they are there like they just see the world of them. So for them to be told, Oh, we can't see like nan and grandad for Christmas then they can see their like favourite footballers fly out, have a holiday. It's like why can they do it and why can't we why can't we see like nan and granddad when they can go on holiday?
2: Yeah, exactly. And you know, to have just one fixture in a weekend doesn't do a lot for the women's game. You know, the women's highlight shows cancelled because there's one game. So that's another TV audience that's not watching any women's football this weekend. You know, people have to think think responsibly and ultimately there should have been consequences for their actions. You know, the fact that Man City are able to cancel not just a league game, but also the Conti Cup game this week that should have been played against us now has been moved to the following week where there was a game against Tottenham that now has to be played another day. You know, the implications of this are going to roll and roll and roll and seemingly nobody's going to pay the price for that, which I think, you know, is is totally wrong. Um, we've got a couple of quotes on the issue. Um, Jane, do you want to take a former Blue Jilly Flafferty's um, response to this yeah. situation?
3: Um, she said, hopefully the girls who are involved will do the decent thing and come out and apologise. As much as the growth of the women's game is brilliant now, we are able to be full-time professionals and inspire the younger generation. I really don't like the arrogance that the money and wages have brought into it. Players need to remain humble and remember how quickly it can change.
2: Yeah, sort of echoing what we spoke about, you know, the differences in the women's and the men's game. Now that money's there and they're full-time professionals, it doesn't alter the fact that they are, like you said, role models... And have to take note of what they're doing. The second quote we've got is from Emma Hayes and I think she, as she always does, she got it absolutely spot on um, when she said the following. The privilege that has been bestowed upon us to go to work every day is one we're in jeopardy of losing. We're a professional league with an elite status. If you don't want the government to take that away from us, then behave properly. It's been a dark week for women's football. Let's make sure these fixtures happen and we're not irresponsible as clubs. It is not good enough and we have to do better. The FA has to support that, but equally we have to make sure we don't just throw the FA under the bus. They have a duty of care to players and they can only do what's presented to them. I'm disappointed with women's football this week. We've worked so hard to get where we are. End quote. You know... Emma, as always, she's spot on. You know, it's been a dark week for women's football. You have to agree with that, don't you, Jane?
3: Yeah, I think Emma's Emma's the only... Other than Emma and Casey Stoney, I've not heard anything from any other managers. Casey Stoney apologised for letting her players go because she, she allowed quite a few players to travel back home to see their families. But like Emma said, like we've got, they've got the elite status. Like they don't want the government taking it away from them because then they're not going to be able to play if, in when we when we go into lockdowns like this.
2: Yeah, you sort of. There was a different reaction to the how the WSL handled the last lockdown, where they you know just wrote the league off. They didn't replay really any of the games, whereas the men's league carried on and it was one, with games played everything they do has to be above board and the very best they can do because, you know, slip-ups like this will just hurt the women's game so much and it will turn people away from the game. You know, make no mistake about that. Their allegiances to the men's game probably run, you know, through through family traditions, you know, passed down from granddad, to, you know, grandmothers, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. The women's game... is is still very new and there's not many sports that have been going for more than sort of five years say so if they want to carry on what they've got which is a fantastic league with fantastic players with good attendances and you know loyal support bases then they have to do better than what they've done and you know hopefully as Julie as said the, the players come out and apologise and, and show that they know they've done wrong and they've learnt from that you know given that more restrictions are likely to come soon you know there could be a, a bigger think, focus on what they do
3: like the players that had games count like postponed because of the other team like julie put something on twitter and she put in it she was like i need to be careful what i say here because i don't want to get myself into trouble i think the players are just as disappointed i know some of the chelsea girls the stuff they tweeted they you could tell they were frustrated with the way the weekend went. And I do feel sorry for them, for them, like the girls that have had games postponed, that it's not their fault. It's other players being selfish and just going away in the whole heart of a global pandemic.
2: Yeah, exactly. And obviously they've, Chelsea and Reading both able to fill teams this week. Obviously they've stuck to COVID restrictions and they've not travelled to see family. You know, the likes of Sam Kerr's not travelled back to... Um, sort of Australia to visit family. She's she stayed in the UK with, with the team, and they've had to you know give up, lots as well to to make sure they're, you know, be able to play and to see other clubs you know f- f- flaunt that and you know, do what they want with disregard to everyone else is very frustrating. And it's, it's a shame they have to sort of bite their tongue and not say what they think because be very interested to hear what they really think about those players that have, have gone gone away and. You know, cancelled so many games this week.
3: Yeah, it is. It is devastating for them.
2: Yeah, let's move on from Dubai Gate. Um, sure, it was a nice time for them. I'm sure, they enjoyed that, and I'm sure they're happy they went. Um, transfer roundup. Um, I said last week. Hopefully, it's not too boring. There's nothing to report. No transfers. Um, January is always a difficult time. Um, Emma did say that the new signing Zakira Musovic would be given six months to settle in but she was sure she'd have a big future for the team and that she trained well That's some good images of her in training uh, recently um, Jane anything on transfers anything you've seen about
3: No there's nothing that I've seen Like I've seen no rumours going around I think maybe um, Zakira is our only signing like I've not seen normally like when transfer windows open you see like the odd rumours floating around but I've seen nothing so I'm hoping that we don't sign anyone else because I'm happy with the squad we've got.
2: All the agents are in Dubai so there's no gossip anywhere <laughs> all the agents are on holiday that's the problem okay that's it for part two but before we go to a break we've got some parish notices Um the big one this week is that we joined YouTube as we mentioned already um, you can watch us talk about Chelsea FC, we not just listen. Um, head to YouTube, search for Went to Mo King's Meadow and hit subscribe. Um, we're planning on splitting this show into three sections, so there's uh, content being put out across the week. Um, bear with us because we're not masters of video editing, nor do we have expensive software. Um, but you've asked and we tried to deliver for you, so we hope you enjoy what you, what you do watch. Um, don't forget as well we've got our own Discord channel um, Discord is the perfect place for Match Day discussions and to be involved in the Chelsea FC women's community um, we had a good little discussion some of us on the game on Sunday um, Jane you've got to make sure you're in there you're missing out on all the fun I know
3: I was, I was too busy watching the football like I can't I can't multitask basically I've
2: got to concentrate so half time off the app onto Discord have a little chat back on to watch the game yeah, next
3: week
2: from, I will you know, Africa we've got people from America all over the world so make sure you join that and um, we'll put the link in the description as well um, a reminder if you follow both the men's and the women's team to check out the main Chelsea Fancast show um, they publish on Mondays and Friday evenings and they also have a Patreon account which you can find at www.patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast if you can and would like to help support both our shows financially you can do so there but there's no obligation. We love you either way. And as always, we want as many people talking about Chelsea FC women as possible. So make sure you check out and listen to London is blue. They headed a feature on the game this week. Um, The team at 195 and the only other podcast that talks exclusively about Chelsea FC women um, that we know about France fight club. I'm sure those guys are super excited to record their episode this week. And I'm going to give that a listen tomorrow. Um, If there's anyone else you think should be added to this list, then please let me know and I'll add them in to give them a shout out as well. And don't forget to check out the Chelsea and Supporters group on Facebook and Twitter. The more supporters involved, the better for everyone. Join us
0: after this short break for part three. Cheech! JK! In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich! I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue (laughs) Boys live—it's all too much. (laughs) I know, J.K. I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have. Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. FootballFancast.com.
2: Welcome back to part three of Went to Mo King's Meadow. It's time now for our preview of the huge top of the table clash with Manchester United this coming Sunday. Jane, hit us with that vital information.
3: So, like Dean said, United are top of the table. They've played 10 games. They've won eight, drawn none and lost nil. They've scored 27 goals and conceded nine. In the last five games, they've won four and drawn one. This is their second year in the WSL. Last season, they finished fourth.
2: Yeah, interesting. Second season in the WSL, the, the championship the year before that. So only three seasons in total. A huge amount of investment coming from Manchester United into this women's team after they disbanded in 2005. I think um, they come again, a year bigger and better, and a decent first year to come fourth in the WSL, Jane. In your first season,
3: yeah, I think they've done really well. And for only being that it was their second season as a team, I think to come to be promoted in their first season, then to come fourth in a year that was a bit. Like all over the place. I think they have done really well, and to be top of the table now is brilliant.
2: Yeah, they've been a sort of a tricky side for us when we played them, and they've been able to add the quality, you know, in the likes of Tobin Heath to their team as well, which shows their investment um, in the team. Our manager, Casey Stoney, well, she likes her team to play on the front foot, and she uses her wingers to create, you know, width, really stretching her play across the front of the field. And she allows her fullbacks to overlap, which then in turn creates an overload in the midfield, because their midfielders are able to stay central to the team. Um, Jane, we've had a few issues with teams attacking our fullbacks. You know, the likes of West Ham exploited that really well. I um, mean, are you concerned about the quality of United's
3: attack? Um, I am quite worried how the game's going to go. Like you said, they have got they have signed some new players. They've got the likes of Tobin Heath, and I think all their players are on form at the minute. So it is going to be nervous watching to see what they put out the bag.
2: Yeah, it's going to be um, an interesting one, defence versus attack there. But defensively, United, they keep it very compact, but they do allow you to have space in the wide areas, which could be interesting um, to see who ever picks to play in those wide areas. Um, However, the one thing they don't allow you is, is any time. They press really quick. They're on you as soon as you've got the ball. So Chelsea are going to need to be really fluid in attack. Um, Jane, does that performance against Reading fill you with confidence that we can create good chances against Manchester United?
3: I think even before watching the Reading game on Sunday, I think we've always had, no matter what game we're going into, we're always going to have good chances. No matter what team you're playing against, you're always going to have that struggle in some areas. So I think we have got, I don't, I think we've got the same chances that I thought in the Reading game. Maybe a bit more confidence now seeing how well we've come back since the Christmas. So hopefully we'll be able to make the chances.
2: Yeah, I thought that after watching the game, um, Casey Stoney might have sent her players back to Dubai um, to try and post one for a little bit. Um, let's move on to Chelsea. You know, we don't want to talk about Manchester United too much. Um, ahead of the game, Emma Hayes, Emma, Emma Hayes said... Yeah, I am excited. The way we started the new year, the way we've come back after Christmas, I think we're now finding our feet. It's taken a little bit of time for us to create the right situation for ourselves, but I think we're in a really great place and I'm excited. I do not underestimate Man United. They're top of the league for a reason. They've been unbelievable all year, so we're going to have to be at our very best if we're going to beat them. But we've certainly got all the qualities in our squad to do that. Um, Jane Emma's right when she says we've got the quality to do that. Um Sort of an embarrassment of riches available to her for this game.
3: Yeah, we have got, throughout the whole squad, we've got so much quality. Like, no matter what position, we've got enough players and strong enough players to be able to put out a good enough team to go out and beat United.
2: And I think what works in our favour is being the only team that played last weekend to win 5-0. You know, we're the only team with any sort of momentum now going into this fixture. United haven't played for ages as well, so they've got the same problems we thought we might have last week. And it a great opportunity for us to set out a really strong message to the rest of the league that this squad is serious about what it wants to achieve. You know, it's not settling for past successes. You know, we've won the league and then signed Peniel Harder. You know, we're desperate for more and more and more. Um I suppose my question is. How important is this game in terms of the overall shape of the season
3: um I think this is the I think this could be the decider where we've both not lost any games yet. I hate to say it, but if the league does get stopped like it did last year and it goes on points per game, I think if it was to end right now, United would get it um so, yeah, I think this is the deciding game of the season.
2: Yeah, really interesting point though, actually, about um, if the season gets cut and, you know, if teams act like they did at Christmas, you know, that's definitely a possibility. So, you know, something I hadn't actually thought about really is the fact that if the season does end early, you'd want to be at the top of the table to make sure your points per game is up there. You know, going above United with a game in hand, you go level on points, but you've got that game in hand as well. That's something that you know psychologically is huge, and I think once this team gets in front, there's no stopping them. It's going to be interesting to see how they balance this this huge fixture list that's going to come up, though. It's going to be interesting, but like you said, you know what a squad we've got, and it's great that we've seen players like Hannah Blundell and Neem Charles putting great performances, isn't it? That gives you confidence that you can rotate.
3: Yeah, with all the games. Like We've got so many games coming up and then obviously we have got Champions League coming up as well. We've got a big enough squad and quality players that Emma will be able to give the chance to rotate the squad and knowing in every team she puts out is one of the strongest teams she's got.
2: Absolutely. So it's time for our predictions. We're going to start with our starting lineups. Um, I'll go first, Jane, to give you time to copy mine. Um, for me, I'd go four-three-three, even though... Emma doesn't seem to sort of like it. She prefers the 4-2-3-1. But for me, Berger in goal. I've got Mielder or at right back, depending on Mielder's fitness. Um, so I wasn't sure what happened to her. Uh, brighton Eriksson in the middle of defence. Anderson at left back. Ingle back in that midfield at the base with Copper and Leopold's ahead of her. And then a front three of Kirby, Harder and Kerr. Now, the reason why I picked this lineup is that if the full-backs do go forward, then you've got Ingle can slot in. They go three at the back. brighton Eriksson can cover there right sides if they need to. Um, there's also extra bodies in midfield because United like to overload the middle of the park. So you've got the three in there to sort of deal with that. Um, going forward, United like to man mark. They like to be tight. If you've got three players that can play right, centre or left, that can switch, it makes marking really difficult. You know, United have to be talking all game, any little slip. You see... Kirby get that goal against Reading when she's off the left even though she's playing on the right being fluid is really difficult and if you don't know who you're marking are you going to drop with harder to pick up the ball are you are going to go with the runner that causes problems that's something that I would look for um, and then also you could push Cuff from that midfield and go 4-2-3-1 if, if you want as well there's so many options you could do with that um, Jane who makes your team
3: my team is very similar to yours I've got Berger and Goal, Marin, Bright, Ericsson and Anderson as the back four. I've got Leopold's G and Ingle in midfield, and then I've put Kerr harder, and I've put Kirby or Beth because I don't know. Maybe Emma might rest Fran. Then I'm like, will she rest Fran because of like she's on so much form at the minute? She's got like that momentum, so I'm going more towards Fran than Beth.
2: I will bet my house, I don't have one, but I'll bet (laughs) something else, my car, that Fran Kirby starts against Manchester United. You don't (laughs) score four goals and then the manager says, "Okay, I'm going to give you a rest now. When When you're on fire, you stay on fire. You keep playing. You keep that confidence. You keep your form. You just go again. She'll be desperate to play against Manchester United and no chance she misses out.
3: Me, I really like, hope she starts because otherwise you've got no car.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although you can't go nowhere at the minute anyway. No. I went with Harder and Kerr and Kirby as my three because you know they can't play anywhere. Whereas Beth, you know, she's number nine. You put her in the middle. Maybe you know with United allowing us width, then that's something that we could look to get the ball into the box to her. But like you say, you know, you could have G, you could have Cup, but we, none of us have mentioned Gura Wrighton who's been fantastic recently you know Emma's got a tough decision to make the players that played against Reading played really well it's hard to make a case to drop any of them but you know so many games coming up I think she's going to have to tweak something and you can't leave Harder on the bench for two weeks running surely um, mm. lots lots. No, of- I
3: don't think I don't think she will she's just got to rotate her team and just just try and put out the strongest team she can.
2: Yeah, looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be um, a big one. Um, talking of the game, where can we watch this one? Is it on FA Player, BBC iPlayer?
3: Um, it's on BT Sport. Yeah, it's on BT Sport. Kickoff. I'll be honest. I don't actually know. I think it's two o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So you um, won't be able to watch it on the FA player. It's just on BT.
2: Okay, well, I have BT Sports. That's fine for me. Um, if you don't have it, I hope you can find uh, an alternative. I no, I've got a screen. sign.
3: I need to sort it out this week. That's why I remembered it was on BT, because my mum was like, you need to get it sorted this week so we can watch it.
2: Yeah, 2.30, kick off. So
3: that's it.
2: At 2 o'clock, log on to our Discord server. We'll start our discussion probably a half one when the team's announced. What a great way to, to build up to the game and then we can enjoy the game together on, on Discord. Um, ready for our chat next week, Jane. Um, score prediction. Now, every week I've been going 5 nil, 6 nil, 7 nil. Last week I said, okay, let's reign that in a little bit. Reginald are a good team. And then we win 5 nil. So to make sure we win 5 nil again, I'm going to say 2-1, say actually. How about you, Jane?
3: Um, I'm going to say 2-1 as well. I think they are going to, I don't want to aim. I'd like to aim really big and be like 6-0 win, but I just don't, I don't think that's realistic against a team like United. So yeah, I'm going to go 2-1.
2: Yeah. Um, let us know your predictions, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Discord. We love Discord. Get on Discord. Um, That's it for part three. Uh, Join us after the break when we've got um, a good email, good discussion point, actually. Um, See you after the break.
0: Real fans, real opinions. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play.
2: Welcome back to the fourth and final part of episode eight of Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Uh, it's time for your emails. Um, we've only got one this week, but it's from one of my favourite people across the pond, um, Patrick. Over to you, Jane. Hi,
3: folks. I'm interested in the link between Fran and Emma. There is an inextricable link between them. I find it no coincidence then that they exclude many of the same qualities. Fiercely competitive, highly intelligent. To watch Fran's struggles from afar has been tough. Emma has been there with the club every step of the way. Curious for your thoughts here. Continuing success, appreciation to you all. Patrick, Mo and Lisk.
2: Interesting point raised here by Patrick about Fran and Emma. Um, Something that I've not really given too much thought to before. You know, he's right when he says that they exude the same qualities. Um, Jane, what do you make of the relationship between um, Fran and Emma?
3: Um, I think they have got... I think Emma's relationship with Fran could be one of the strongest in the team. She always seems to be there for Fran. Like, I think with everything she's gone through as well, I think if it wasn't for like Emma and her teammates, Fran would have struggled. And it's just, I don't know how to describe their like relationship. It's like, I can't think of what I'm even trying to say.
2: (laughs) What I think is mother and daughter that Emma cares for her so deeply. And, you know, Fran's injury is so unique. Um, the struggle that she has and it has to be managed properly and if your manager doesn't believe in you then you know some managers would have just Fran off and said you know what she's not going to get injury free for long enough for me to build a team around her you know I'll sell her and just bring new players in but Emma has done the opposite to that you know and she cares so deeply for her that she's you know they've personalised her training and stuff like that I believe to make sure that she can stay at the top of her game. And you see the way she's come back, you know, absolutely world-class. She is a superstar. We talked about her being, you know, the greatest of all time for Chelsea. And, you know, if you look at Emma Hayes as a manager, include the men's managers in this, she is one of the greatest of all time as well. She is absolutely superb at what she does, not just on the football pitch, not just tactically, not how she sets her team up. How she manages people and how she deals with people, and you know that player manager relationship she has with her squad, is one of her best qualities. Do you agree with that, Jo?
3: Yeah, I think I think that is it. Like mother and daughter sort of relationship. Like I know last year in March when the Algarve Cup was happening, Emma was going out to watch it, and she actually took Fran with her. And I think that's just to know a manager's got so much like she feels like she's got to look after you i think it is nice and like you said emma could have sold her and was like oh no she's like getting injured with like there's no point keeping her and fran has had a lot of injuries throughout her career so for a manager to stick with her and be like no we want to keep you which just shows how much potential fran actually has got still
2: and on on the flip side of that, it's easy for other players to, you know, perhaps feel jealous or, you know, feel like she only cares about Fran; she doesn't do that for the rest of us. But they don't do that. They don't feel that. They all feel like they, you know, a part of Emma and, and Chelsea, and that's all come from from Emma as a manager and you know that quality of being able to manage a group of individuals who are all extremely talented. The mood in the squad seems fantastic. Um, There's no rumours of dissent. You know, you look at the men's team, you know, they're under the leadership of Frank Lampard and, you know, after a defeat, there's no stories of players unhappy and unrest in the team. Whereas, you know, even though the likes of Beths probably would play week in, week out at 90% of the clubs in this league, she's still happy to be under Emma Hayes as a manager. And that's because of the way Emma is with, with everybody and having you know, interaction like that with your players and being able to hold relationships with players, even though things aren't always what they want them to be on the pitch. That, that's truly special. and you know, That's what makes Emma so special. And that's why I think Tracy said last week that she could never leave. And that's the concern for me about us winning the Champions League is that Emma says, OK, I've done it all now somebody else and you you step away from that and that can be really difficult. Um any final thoughts on that Jane?
3: Um nothing you've covered pretty much all of it like you said with winning the Champions League. Will she leave after that? Like she's always said that she's wanting to win everything and people always keep saying oh like she'll be England manager but then she's not going to leave Chelsea until she's won the Champions League. But then it's after, what is she going to do? Is she going to stay for longer? Because I'd hate to see another manager come in and not have that relationship that Emma has with her players.
2: Yeah, whoever eventually does that job has got probably the toughest job in world football following in from, from Emma Hayes. Hopefully that doesn't happen for a long time. No hopefully we win the Champions League and she says, oh, I'd quite like to win another one of those. Um, And she stays. Um, Patrick, thanks for your email. Um, If you want to be like Patrick and be a legend, get in touch with us. We are, went to mo at gmail.com. You can email about anything about the women's team, about the show, about some news you've seen in in the press. We'll read it out. We'll have a discussion. Um, It makes a great part for the show and, you know, want you to get involved as well. Uh, right, that's all we've got time for this week. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about Sunday's game against Manchester United, look ahead to our games against Manchester City in the Conti Cup and Bristol City in the league. Uh, Jane, a pleasure to talk to you about this wonderful football team again. Um, see you next week. Hopefully a similar result to talk about.
3: Yep, hopefully another win in the bag. And yeah.
2: Five-0 would be nice, wouldn't it?
3: It would be nice if we could get the same scoreline, but unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be as easy.
2: Yeah, I'm not greedy. Any win will do me. Um, remember to follow exactly. us on Twitter. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at Mokings Meadow, me at Dean Mears, and Jane at Jane Chapel X. You can also find us on Instagram at Went to Mokings Meadow. Join our Discord community, download the app, search for Went to Mokings Meadow, and don't forget to like and subscribe the brand new YouTube channel as well. Which is also Went to Mokings Meadow. Don't forget, you can contact the show via email, get your points heard. That address is Went to Mokingsmeadow at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, Chelsea fans from Kings Meadow to Wembley, keep that blue flag flying high.